Praise God. Praise God. I'd like to welcome everyone this morning, in particular our guests. And if it's your first time with us today, we welcome you. We are so glad to have you. And if it's your first or your second time today, I invite you to stop by our guest area in the back. We have a small token of appreciation for giving you to give you for being here today. If you're watching us online somewhere today, pray that you are blessed by this service as well. It's great to have some folks from Ann Arbor, Michigan with us. They are uh, they were here for the CMI Summit from Brother Brian Jones's church, uh, one of his daughters. And uh, Brother Brian Jones, some of you know that name. If you don't, he graduated from the Naval Academy and uh, was a part of this church for a little while. Now pastor's there. And uh, we used to not really care about Michigan, but since Maryland decided to leave the ACC, we're now forced to. And Nothing like a horrible football team trying to compete one of the best conferences in the country. But we're not bitter. <laughs> Praise God. There has been such a wonderful, sweet presence of the Lord here today. Such encouraging, uplifting songs. And I am so relieved by that. Because I don't have a sweet, encouraging, uplifting message. God has such a wonderful way of providing balance to what we need. Not to get you on the defensive or whatever, but I, I, feel, a, I feel like I have something from the Lord today. In some ways, it doesn't seem like some of the typical Sunday morning stuff, whatever that is. And I'm going to make up this morning for the last couple of Sundays of only reading one verse. You weren't here, I'm sorry, but I'm collecting. John chapter 6. John chapter 6, going to start reading with verse number 53. John 6, verse 53. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except ye eat of the flesh of the Son of Man, and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh, and drinketh my blood, hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh, and drinketh my blood, dwelleth in me, and I in him. As the living Father hath sent me, And I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. That is the bread, that is that, this is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. These things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum, many Therefore, I want you to notice who this group is. Many of his disciples, 
many of his disciples. A disciple is much different than somebody that's just in the multitude out of curiosity. A disciple is much different than somebody that was in a crowd one day where Jesus started teaching and a bunch of people were gathering. The fact that it says they were disciples means there had been some level of commitment that they had demonstrated to him. But many of his disciples, when they heard, when they had heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? Now, thankfully, and I think most of you are aware of this, but thankfully he wasn't talking about cannibalism in the previous few verses. And since Jesus Christ is no longer on this earth in the flesh, if that was the case, we, we'd be in trouble. But they heard his sayings and they said it's a hard saying. Who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, Does this offend you? What and if you shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It is the Spirit that quickeneth the flesh, profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray Him. And He said, therefore, and He said, therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my Father. From that time, many, here it is again, of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Again, not people that just popped in out of curiosity, not, not people that just, you know, were anxious to see a little bit. Let's see if, let's see what kind of miracles he may perform today. Let's, Let's see or let's hear what kind of interesting things he may teach today. These were those that had had a level of commitment. But many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve. That's, that's the core. It was the nucleus. They were all disciples, but, but within that group that walked away... There was also a core group of disciples that he turns to and he says, Will you also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Because you have the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Will you go also? Will you follow those who are no longer following me? And, there, and Peter responds and says, We have no place else to go. I want to ask you a question this morning as my title and that is, is He your everything? Is He your everything? Father, I thank You for 
the privilege of being in your presence today. I know that you are in this place. I know that you have already touched lives and ministered to people in this service today. And I thank you for that, Father. I pray now that your word would minister and that you would speak to us today. I pray, Father, that you would anoint our ears to hear what you would say to us. I pray, Lord, that our hearts would be good ground today for the seed of your word so that it might be able to produce something in our lives. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I trust you and depend on you again today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. God's Word translation says, verse 66, this way, Jesus' speech made many of His disciples go back to the lives they had led before they followed Jesus. Wiest's New Testament translation says it like this, As a result of this, many of His pupils went away to the things they had left. And no longer with Him were they, were they ordering their manner of life. Many of His pupils went away to the things they had left. And no longer with Him were they ordering their manner of life. No longer was He the center of it all. No longer was everything revolving around him. They went back to what they knew. They went back to what they desired. They went back to what they wanted. A couple of days ago, the Lord dropped this statement into my spirit. When you have everything, he is just something. But when you have nothing, He is everything. When you have everything, He is just something. When you have nothing, He is everything. You, you sit today and some of you or most of you would say, well, you're not talking to me, preacher, because I don't have everything. When we, when some of us, some of you don't, but when some of you in this room today pay for a cup of coffee almost every morning, what many people in the world don't even make in a month's time, you have everything. When you drop four bucks at Starbucks for a cup of coffee that some of you won't even finish because it gets cold before you're done and you're done with it, and people in this world make two and three dollars a month, you have everything. No, you don't have everything you want. You don't have every wish, want, and desire, but you have everything. In comparison, you have everything. I, I, I forget where I read this years ago. I think it was said that a, that a, that a, uh, a, a, a pastor overseas, a national pastor, a native of that country said, when it comes to sickness and dealing with sickness, that we in America, most of us have blessed insurance. But since they don't have insurance, they don't have access to health care, they rely upon blessed assurance. 
some of you will never know what blessed assurance is because you rely too much on blessed insurance. Some of you will never know what it is for Him to be the ultimate source and provider because you've got too many other resources in place in case He lets you down. If He doesn't come through, you've got something to fall back on. If you don't ever get to the place where you make up your mind, we have nowhere else to go. You alone have the words of eternal life. More and more I watch as Christianity is allowing itself to be squeezed into an hour or so of everybody's week. We gotta get in and have a quick service and get out because we have stuff to do. We have places to go, people to see. So we need our quick fix. We're creating nothing more than drive through religion. Better yet, you can now sit at home in your pajamas, sip your coffee, kick back with your feet up on the ottoman and just watch church. I'm going to tell you today, I don't care what you watch online. I don't care how great the preaching is. I don't care how great the worship is. You cannot substitute two or three people gathering together in, in body in His name. Thank God for technology. We're streaming this service. We stream every service. And it's a blessing to people in various ways. But it cannot be a substitute. Cannot be. Because I can pretty much guarantee most people aren't going to act in their living room like we've acted today. Or that we act at other times. we got to squeeze it in. Why? Because we have everything and He's just something. We've got what we need, but we, we kind of know that we need Him. But you know, we got a lot of other stuff too. I think for too many people, Jesus is just the credit card in their pocket that when they run out of cash, they know I've got a backup. We, we, we've got nowhere else to go. You alone are the source of eternal life. I know most of you know this, but it wasn't until the 16th century and the 17th century. That's not that long ago. In the big scheme of things, that's not that long ago. It was only several hundred years ago that man began to accept the idea that the universe did not revolve around the earth. <laughs> How interesting is it that we were convinced that everything out there revolved around us? I, I, I read this online in preparation. I forget the website. My apologies, but I'm acknowledging I got it there. And it wasn't from Wikipedia either. So, The Catholic Church, the Catholic Church, the Catholic Church, which was very powerful and influential in Galileo's day, strongly supported the theory of a geocentric or earth-centered universe. Yeah. 
after Galileo began publishing papers about his astronomy discoveries and his belief in a, in a heliocentric or sun-centered universe, he was called to Rome to answer charges brought against him by the Inquisition. Early in 1616, Galileo, for believing that everything did not revolve around the earth, was accused by the church of being a heretic. (laughs) He was considered a heretic because he started saying, everything out there doesn't revolve around us. Forgive the play on words and at the risk of being corny to some of you, isn't it interesting that originally it was thought that the world revolved around the earth only to be discovered that it revolved around the sun. Let me put it this way. The world does not revolve around you and your world should revolve around the sun. But not the S-U-N, the S-O-N. Here's here's the way some of us live. This may be a bit confused. I I should have had posters made up, you know, to do this, but but I I, I didn't do that. My boys, all my boys are, come here, Nathaniel, you got a few more minutes before you have to go to worship? If you have to go, just walk off. They'll, he helps with them. So, so th- th- this, if you're a guest today, this is one of my four kids. So he, he represents my family. You can do this in fairly wide circles so that you don't get too dizzy. But, but just, just start walking around me. You, don't, you, can, you can walk forward. You, yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm going to show you how some of us live. We got stuff revolving around us. Can I borrow your computer for just a second just to, just to help me out? So, so you know, just, this has to do with business a lot of times. Tech. So, so uh, um, come here, Jalen, please. You have to go anywhere? Okay, all right. So I, I'll, I'll let him hold this to try to give you. So, so this, is, this is career. Thank you. This is career. So we got family orbiting around us. We got our career orbiting around us. Because we all know we, we're the center. Come here, Jonathan, if you would. Yeah, you're the only Jonathan around there. We, we, we got vacation and, and our time and Leisure and pleasure. Yeah. But of course, we all know, and there's other things we could add to this category. We all know, come here, Brother Barr. I mean, we're we're more than willing to put God in the orbit of our lives. We're good with that. We don't mind it. I mean, definitely, He's got a place. He's got a place in our lives, sure. As long as David at the center of it all. David at the center of it all. 
from beginning to the end. I mean, you know, because at the beginning, you were the center of it all. You cried, everybody stopped. You cried, everybody tried to figure it out. So from beginning to the end. You know why we have some families that are falling apart? Because you think you're at the center of it. You know why there's marriages in this place that are on the rocks? Because you're trying to get everything and everybody to revolve around you. I don't care if you are the head of your house and you are the husband. You're not the king that sits on the throne that everybody else serves and does all your bidding. And if you're the mama of the house, surely everybody doesn't always walk around you on eggshells because they don't want to set you off because they know how short your fuse is. And if you're the kids, a bunch of them went down to youth service. But if you're the kids and you think your parents were brought into this world to serve you and meet your every need, you've got a big problem. You see, a lot of us are good with this. We're okay. Boy, that was great worship and such a sweet presence of God. We're good with this. We're good with plugging into our calendars 10 to 12 a.m. on 10 to 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. on Sunday mornings. And some of us do that plus six to eight on Sunday nights. And some of us will go beyond that. We'll even put seven to nine on Thursdays because we, we want you in the orbit, God. But you see what Jesus was saying was this. Here's the way it's got to be. The rest of you guys can go. Brother Barr, you'll just stand right there, please. I know this may sound like heresy for Americans. I know this may sound like a heresy for Americans, but let me show you the way it's supposed to be. You see, the difference is when it comes to the solar system, there is only one way. There are no options. There are no places where everything else revolves around the earth. It's one way. It revolves around the sun. But when it comes to your life, you have the option of trying to live it one of two ways. You can live it where everything revolves around you. Where everything is centered around your wish, wants, and desires. Or you can do like Jesus instructed us and put the kingdom of God first and His righteousness. And everything revolves around that. That the center of my universe is the Son. The center of everything I do, thank you, is the sun. And I've got no place else to go. Disciples. 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 You see... Again, there were, there were times, read it, there were times in Jesus' ministry where multitudes gathered, multitudes of people gathered to hear what He had to say. And perhaps some of them gathered with the hope that maybe He'll do something for me today. Maybe I will be the next recipient of a miracle. Maybe I will be the next person He touches and I get what I need. But they came out of curiosity. And if curiosity wasn't met, they went back to their lives. They came with needs and if He didn't bring 
the meeting of their need to them on a silver platter, they went back their way. That's a lot different than the woman who had been searching for 12 years trying to get a solution to the sickness that no one could do anything for, that no doctors could help her with. There were no answers for. She did not come out of curiosity. She did not come just to hear what interesting thing he may say today and what interesting thing he may do. She came with a made-up mind that says you are at the center. And if I can just get to the hem of your garment and I can just touch the hem of your garment, I will be made whole. There was a bunch of people in that crowd that day that the universe revolved around them. How do you know that, Brother Wright? How can you say that? I'll tell you the reason I can say that is because in that crowd that day, when that woman touched him, Jesus stopped and asks a question. Who touched me? And the disciples respond and say, What do you mean, Lord, who touched you? Do you not see? You are in a crowd of people and all kinds of people are touching you. But he said, somebody touched me. No, somebody didn't just bump into me. Somebody touched me. Because when they touched me, Something left me. The scripture calls it virtue. Virtue went out from me. She made up her mind that day. I I will not leave without getting what I need. I I will not leave until my answer is received. Because I've got no place else to go. You alone. You alone. Bible tells the story in several of the Gospels of a ruler. Often we refer to him as the rich young ruler. He comes to Jesus and he asks, what do, what do I need to do? What do I need to get eternal life? What, what needs to happen? And Jesus responds and says, well, you, you need to keep the commandments. And, and Jesus names some of the commandments. And, 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 and he kind of responds, I think, more than likely kind of smugly. I'm good. I've done all that. I've kept all those since I was a child. I think maybe he thought he had now bought his way in. I've now earned my right to have you revolving around my universe. And then Jesus responds and says, One thing you're missing. Go... And sell all that you have. Give it away. And come, follow me. Matthew 19 and 22 says, But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful because he had two Much to lose. I I want eternal life, Lord. Surely we can negotiate. We did a little switcheroo in our family with vehicles. Esther, we sold Esther's car and then 
We were going to get Esther another car before she went to California, and then we decided we would pass Elizabeth's car to Esther and then get Elizabeth a new car on her once she settled back in. And so I was helping her this week, working to get a new car. I did like most of you do. I want to get the absolute best car I can for the absolute cheapest price. I mean, I want all the bells and whistles. We, we were considering, she ended up getting a, 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 about a two-year-old Honda Civic. But, but at first, you know, trying to figure out the options, we, we were looking at a couple of new car options, primarily Honda first, and, and then we, we went in there and figured out that wouldn't work, and so then we went over to Hyundai, and, 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 and this, was, this was part of the big sales pitch from the guy at Hyundai is we, we, we offer for a cheaper price, we offer some of the same options as Honda does, but you can get it cheaper. I, 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 don't, I don't know. We, we, Sunday, Sunday. It's sad that Sunday has lost some of the sacredness. I, I, I'm gonna, I, 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 this may be the next direction I go on Thursday nights. I'm not sure yet, but it's kind of scary when the church doesn't realize how much we stay in line with the world. There's usually, yeah, there's usually a bit of a gap I mean, we're not quite as far as they are. But we follow. I just, it just hit me this morning, and I did. You know, do you know you can go back and study the history of what they wore at the beach and not be the least bit embarrassed looking at the pictures of the beach? Well, I know that's a hundred years ago, and times have changed. Exactly. I, I watched, I had, a, I had a church live broadcast pop up on my Facebook feed this morning. My apologies. I'm probably certain as the pastor and the preacher of the day, I should not have opened Facebook on a Sunday morning. Forgive my humanity. But I watched, I watched, I watched this. I mean, you looked at the, the, the stage and all the choir and, 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 and it was like they were all wearing the stuff you'd wear to go to the park to have fun and just do whatever. And it's kind of funny if you go look at the world, the world has changed because business that used to expect you... Do you know they... I don't know how in the world I'm off on this. Do, do you know they used to... They originally played golf. They originally played golf in the attire that I am in. They literally originally played golf in a coat and tie. I have no idea how you do that. I, I want, I want my all I want on. I, that's why I don't like playing in the cold because I, I, I want all I want is my. They played in a suit and tie. 
They went to ball games. Go look at some of the pictures of the baseball games in the beginning. They went to ball games. Coat and tie. You know what thing I love about this church and, and Bishop started it and I don't know when and how on purpose and that was, you know what, there, there is no expectation on how you come. You come just long, basically you're modest, come dressed out. We got people in this church that have the ability to dress the nicest that come the most casual. Come at, but my point is, we're getting all these ideas that the world does and we're following the world. Why? Because we're all used to the internet. I, I don't know when it was ordered, but this morning, it's out Sunday, this is how all this got started. This morning, Sunday, wasn't there last night? Open the door and there is a delivery from Amazon on the porch this morning. There's a whole lot of levels of that I could get into. Here's one of them. The reason, I think pretty much the reason that thing was on the porch from Amazon because it was a pretty good price. That's why we like the internet. Or that's why we like Five Below and Dollar General and the Dollar Store and Dollar Tree because I I, I really... from a human standpoint, from a human standpoint, I am sorry to tell you today, there are no Walmarts for salvation. There are no Ebays where you pay only what you want to pay. And if the, and if the seller decides that you, they don't want your price, you move on. I put some stuff on Marketplace on Facebook a week ago, and I mean within minutes I got them offering me $30, $40 less. Thinking, dude, if I wanted what you're offering, that's what I would have put it on there as. I know I'm going to have to probably give a little bit, but I am not giving it in the first two minutes. <laughs> Went away sorrowful because I've got too much to lose. I've got too much to give up. That's what's so sad about his perspective and many of our perspective is when you think what you give up is greater than what you get. All you're saying is, I really have no clue on what he is offering me. When you think the price that is asked of you is too much for what you are getting, all you're saying is, I have no real grasp on the person that I am and the need that I have and that without Him I can do nothing and without Him my life is really meaningless and without Him I definitely cannot achieve eternal life and so whatever price there is to pay, it's not too great. Where are we going to go? You see, let me also say this. Having, having stuff does not automatically mean that He can't be your everything. Because I would actually propose to you this morning that that is more a frame of mind that it is a physical condition. Because there's some folks that in comparison, they don't have a whole lot. 
But what they have, man, means everything to them. It may not be as valuable as others. It, it may not be the same brand as others. It may not be as expensive as others. But it's theirs. And it means everything to them. So I'm not preaching today that you've got to go give up everything and become poor and suffer through life. I really believe, and please understand, this is just my opinion, just my opinion. Not saying this is fact, not saying this is absolute truth, but it is my opinion if that young man would have responded to Jesus when he said, go sell everything. If he would have said, Lord, give me a few minutes, I'll be right back. I really believe the Lord would have responded to him and said, hold on. Hold on. I don't really want you to go do that. I'm just trying to see. I just want to know where your heart is. I I just want to know what you really treasure. Because if you're willing to go do it, that's really what I'm trying to figure out. How can you say that, Brother Wright? It's just one example. But the reason, one reason I believe that is because I go back to the Old Testament and the Lord said to Abraham, I want you to take your son, your only son, and I want you to go up to the mountain and I want you to sacrifice him. And Abraham willingly followed God's instructions to the point that Isaac was laying on the altar. The knife was pulled back. He was ready to take his life and was instructed To stop. I really think if that man would have turned away, Jesus would have said, hold on. I just need to know what kind of universe you're living in. Does your universe revolve around you? Or are you willing for your universe to revolve around me? Here's one reason I think I can say that it's really not a matter of whether you have or don't have. It's more a matter of your attitude. Paul says this in Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 4. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I am more. Let me me tell you what Paul's doing right here in case you miss it. Paul's doing a little good old-fashioned trash talking. You think you can brag? Let me tell you what I have to say. You think you got some stuff to gloat over? Let me tell you what I have to gloat over. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, of a Hebrew, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Me, he's saying, I was absolutely sold out and committed. Look what he says in verse 7. What things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. He goes on to say, Oh, that I may know Him. Oh, that I may know Him. 
Oh, that I may know Him. For me to really know Him, He has got to be my everything. For me to really know Him, He's got to be the center of it all. For me to really know Him, everything has got to revolve around Him. My wife and I were the proverbial child, or childhood, but high school sweethearts. We started liking each other in high school and started going together. Eventually got engaged, got married. I, I got to tell you, I, while we were dating, I didn't really truly know her. And she didn't really truly know me. Every time we'd go out, I'd go pick her up. She'd walk out the house. Woo! Hair done. Outfit just right. Fresh perfume. Fresh breath that I noticed from a distance. Man, whoo, and vice versa. I had the outfit picked just right, the best I could. I had my hair done. I had fresh cologne, deodorant, all that stuff, and and it was all smiles. Just all, just ah, oh, just one life was wonderful. What do you want to do? Whatever you want to do. Well, I want to do what you want to do. No, I want to do what you want to do. Sit on the phone, landline, when there was only one in the house. I'd get knocks on the door. You almost done? We need to make a call. No, I'm, I'm, I'm busy. I'm on the phone. Still there? Yep. Uh, well, I'm going to have to go now. You say bye first. No, you. No, you say bye first. No, I, you say. That goes on for another 10 minutes. Finally, okay, I really got to go. So you say bye. No, you say. Okay, fine, bye. I mean, there's been a couple times now where mid-sentence... It had nothing to do with who's going to say bye first. It wasn't who had to say bye first. It was who gets to say bye first. Call ended. I didn't, I didn't really know her and she didn't really know me. I didn't know how messy her hair could be. She had no idea how bad my breath could be. You know what? When this is all you and Jesus ever see of each other, I'm sorry, you're not getting the best. Because most of the time, most of the time, we, we do a good enough job of creating an atmosphere where you're gonna, it's going to be good. You're going to get something. You know what? There's been some days where I'm like, um, God, 
I know you supposedly fill all space, but you ain't right here. And I know you never leave me for or forsake me, but I don't know where you are. That's when I really, I didn't get to know him here when I felt those wonderful goosebumps. I didn't get to know him here when his spirit was moving and working. When I really got to know him was some days where I felt like Job. I look for you in front of me and I can't find you. I go behind me and you're not there. I go where you're working, but I don't get anything. Because I'm going to tell you, he doesn't always treat me the way I want to be treated. But I will tell you, he always treats me the best way I need to be treated. And he always does what's best for me. But guess what? We went through a few arguments and a few silent days before I finally got to trust him. You know what? You really do know what you're doing. And you really are working it out for my good. And even when I don't see you working, you're working. Paul said, I'm willing to count it all loss. <laughs> I know as a pastor, a Sunday morning with guests, that this is your first time, perhaps the only time you're visiting. I know this is the best sales pitch you have ever heard. There's a problem. We, we went, sorry, Elizabeth, it's the nature of being a preacher's kid. You provide all the ammunition but she, we, we, we went into the in the Honda dealership and and we made the mistake I, we made the mistake of just expressing our interest man they pulled around this black Honda Civic loaded loaded I mean loaded loaded took it for a test drive I'm sort of thinking to myself, buy this for you. <laughs> Only problem was we get back and then they start talking numbers and it's like, no, we, we can't do that. I know, my, my dad, I used, to, I used to cringe when I go with my dad to a car dealership to buy a car when I was younger. Oh, my word, it was a grueling process. I remember one time my dad gave another individual an advice about shopping for a new car. And, and he told them, he said, you know, they don't have to make all their month's commission off of their sale on you. I, don't, I think that was intended to be a point of information to keep in the back of your mind. I just happened to be at the car dealership with this individual when they were shopping for a car to sit there and only to hear them say to the salesman, well, you don't have to make your whole month's commission off of me. I was like, crawling out of the office. I don't know them. I, I, don't do, I don't do that stuff too good. I'm not a... So I, I know this probably is not the way to do it. It ended up working out all right. So forgive me if I offend all of you negotiators that love the fight. But I started telling them. We went into one other new dealership, and then I started working online. I'm like, listen, I'm going to tell you up front. I'm not hiding from you. This is what I got to put out of pocket, and this is what I can afford each month. If I can't do this, then don't sit there 
and try to entice me into something that I can't afford. And now we live in a world where Christianity is trying to do the same thing. Just say a few magical words. But keep living however you want to live, doing whatever you want to do. And you're good. Yeah, that matches up real well. If anybody's going to come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. If you want to save your life, you got to lose it. And if you want to lose your life for my sake, you're going to find it. I close with this passage. 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 19. So he, and that's speaking of the prophet Elijah, departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him. And he went, and he with the twelfth, and Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him and left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, let me, let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow thee. And he said unto him, go back again, for what have I done to thee? What, what have I done to you, Elisha, that you're gonna wanna, that you want to follow me? Elijah knew exactly what he had done. Because when he threw that mantle on Elisha, that mantle that represented God's anointing and authority and power, Elisha recognized something he had never experienced before. Do you know how many people come into a church service and the mantle of the presence of God falls upon them and they feel something? If I've heard it once, I've heard it a hundred times. And I don't think a hundred is an exaggeration. Where I've heard people come and visit a church service and they'll come up afterwards and say, Pastor, what a great service. I, I felt something here I've never felt before. And you never see them again. You see, Elisha didn't stop with the mantle falling on him and feeling something. He says to the prophet, hold on, I'm coming after you. But notice what he does in the next verse. He returned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slew them and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen and give and gave unto the people and they did eat. Then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. He took everything that would have been there for him to go back to and made it a sacrifice so that when he went after Elijah, there was nothing to go back to. If it didn't work out with Elijah, there was no options to go back to the old life. It wasn't there anymore. But the good news is God honored what Elisha did. And Elisha at the end of his life had experienced twice as what Elijah had experienced. Because whatever price you pay, whatever you give up to follow Jesus, I will assure you that you cannot outgive Him. He will not be a debtor to you. He will not let you give more to Him than He gives to you. 
No, that might not be a new Cadillac living in some exclusive neighborhood wearing all name brand cars. But I will tell you, there's some things that are a lot more valuable than that. I just saw online the other day, I clicked on the link out of curiosity, a very well-known actor whose estranged wife came and picked him up because she saw that he was once again struggling with alcohol. She went and picked him up to take him to a place to get some kind of treatment. If stuff was the answer, if stuff was the answer, there would be no inquirer. There would be no People magazine. There would be no us. There would be none of those things in the checkout line to read or look at on your way out. If stuff was the answer. But isn't it interesting that some of the wealthiest people in the world appear to be some of the most miserable people in the world? The sad thing is, some of you and I will never know this, and we think it's perhaps unfair, but it's really a blessing. What do you do when you finally achieve all that you have lived for? When you finally get everything you lived your life for, only to find out you're still empty. I understand you and I, most of us, have the difficulty of always wondering. Always thinking, well, if I had everything, I'd be different. Solomon prayed this prayer. He said, Lord, don't let me be so poor that I have to steal and that I curse your name. But then don't let me be so well off that I forget all about you. You know what Solomon really was praying? Lord, bless me with a life of mediocrity. Which is what most of us here today have. We're not so bad off that we're having to steal. And we're not so well off that we forget about the fact I still need Him. We're somewhere in the middle. So I ask you in closing, is He your everything? Is He your everything? Or is He just something in your portfolio? Oh yeah, God, I've got Him. Yeah, God, I got Him on speed dial. I know right where to find Him. I know where to go when I'm in need. Otherwise, He's somewhere out there revolving around me. No, no, no. If you haven't already done so, and there's not a person in this place, including the one with the microphone, that does it perfectly, because we are human beings dealing with flesh. Some days we do better than other days. 
But you know what's so wonderful about the Lord? There's several things that ex- demonstrate this in Scripture. He does not judge us based on a moment or a day or even sort of a season. Just one simple example Paul says about Abraham. He says, Abraham was fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able to perform. That's what Paul says in the New Testament about Abraham in the Old Testament. You and I have the ability, the benefit of being able to go and read the story of Abraham. If you can read the story of Abraham, and when you finish reading that story, if you can from the story... From the story say, he was fully persuaded, never doubted, never wavered, never gave up on the promise, then you're not reading the same story. See, God's more interested in the end and the outcome than he is any single particular moment. That's part of the reason I think the scripture says a righteous man falls. A righteous man falls. You and I will never reach a point in this life where we are perfect and never make mistakes and never fail. I think misapplied sometimes, but in some ways the bumper sticker is true. Christians aren't perfect. Just forgiven. So there may be some days that I I don't do quite as well with Him being the center. But if you've never reached the point where you have made the commitment to the best of your ability by His grace and mercy to make Him the center of it all in your life, you really don't know what you're missing. I forget who said it. Old Testament, New Testament. Maybe it was Jesus. Somewhere in there it says about His commandments. They're not grievous. They're not grievous. When I understand that this is not about a burden to bear, this is not about a bunch of things to just ruin my life and hem me in, but when I understand that this is the path, to life. John says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So if John said the Word became flesh and that flesh was Jesus, and Jesus said He was the way, the truth, and the life, then that means this is the way, the truth, and the life. Bow your heads, if you would, please. Close your eyes. Hopefully, partly for you to just kind of focus on what the Lord may be saying to you, but also in respect to others around you. Is He your everything today? Is He your everything? Is He the center? of it all for you.
If the answer to that is no, if He's not the center, if He's not your everything, He's just a something in your life, what a great day to change that and begin the process, the journey of getting to really know Him and what He's all about when you make Him the center of it all. Again, as eyes are closed, I'm asking that, if nothing else, just out of respect for those around you. I believe there's some people in this place, more than just one, but even if it is just one, I believe there's some people in this place today that the Spirit of the Lord is talking to you this morning. You may come here all the time. This may be your first time or you may have only been a couple of times. But you recognize that the Word of the Lord and the Spirit of the Lord is talking to you. And if you acknowledge that this morning and you can say that I want Him to be the center of it all. And maybe, I don't want to make this broad statement so that you're reluctant to respond, but perhaps for you, you'd have to acknowledge, Jesus, you are not the center. Or maybe what you need to say today is, you know what, Lord, there's been some times in my life where you were the center of it all, but I've kind of let you just get in the orbit of my life and revolve around me. But God, I, I don't want to be in the center of my universe. I want you to be the center and I want everything to revolve around you. If that's your desire today, and whether it's a first-time commitment to that or it's a renewed commitment to that, I, I want to open this altar right now to somebody today that's willing to say again, or perhaps for the first time, Jesus, I want you at the center of it all some of you today are sitting here facing some very challenging circumstances in your life some of you are trying to figure out your, your future career path and education and family situation and finances and what you're going to do and how it's going to work out I, I'm preaching the answer to you today the answer is Jesus at the center of it all because when you put him at the center of it all you can rest assured he's going to order your steps he's going to take care of you in a way so far above and beyond what you could take care of for yourself but you got to make him the center I beg you today don't be like that rich young ruler be like that rich young ruler I've, I got too much to lose I got too much to give up if I really go after God with everything I have I, I've got too much to lose I got too much that I'm holding on to I, I don't want to let go there's nothing you could ever give up there's nothing he could ever ask you to let go of that is of more value than what it is he will ultimately give back in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus
In the name of Jesus. God, I want you to be my everything. I want you to be my everything. Because really, if I don't have you, I don't have anything. Doesn't matter what I possess. It doesn't matter what my assets may be. It doesn't matter what's in my bank account. It doesn't matter where I live, what I drive, what I wear, who I know. If I don't have you, I don't have anything. But Jesus, if I have you, and what I have from a natural perspective seems small and insignificant, as long as I've got you, I've got everything. Be the center. Be the center. Be the center. Be the center. I want you to be the center of my life. I want you to be the center of my life. I want my world to revolve around you. I want my world to revolve around you. I want my life to revolve around you. Be the center. Be the center. Be the center. Scripture says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? And what is it that a man would give in exchange for his soul? Don't let there be anything. Don't let there be anything that you're willing to give your soul in exchange for. No matter how enticing it is. No matter how good the offer may seem. It's all, it's all about you. It's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. It's all, it's all. It's all about you. It's all about you. Church, I could use a little more help in the altar. It's all about you. It's all about you. It's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you, Jesus. Be the center. Be the center. God, I don't want any other human being to be the center of my life. I don't want any ambition or desire to be the center of my life. I don't want an education. I don't want a career. I don't want money. I don't want possessions to be the center. I want you to be the center of my life. All about you, Lord. It's all about you, Lord. It's all about you, Lord. It's all about you, Lord. All about you. It's all about you. It's all about you. It's all about you. 
it's all about you it's all about you it's all it's all it's all it's all about you help us to seek you first help us to seek your kingdom and your righteousness first in our lives and let you add let you add whatever you see we need let you add whatever you desire but help us not to make the thing our pursuit help us to make you our pursuit help us to make you what it is we hunger and thirst for in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus It's all about you. 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 you. We've got nowhere else to go. We've got no other options. There are no other alternatives. We've got nothing to fall back on. We've got no reserves. We've got no out. It's all about you. You alone, you alone have the words of eternal life. You alone are the source of life. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. It's all about you, Lord. It's all about you, Lord. It's all about you. Be the center, be the center. all about you, Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. If you need to go, you're welcome to go. Please be mindful of those around you that may still be praying. It's all about you, Lord. all about you Lord be the center 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 I don't want to be the center of my universe I don't want to be the center of my universe I want you to be the center and everything else to revolve around you, Jesus. In the name of 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 Jesus. Jesus.